Welcome to another episode of the Mad Talks Podcast. This is a special episode, one of many that we're hoping to be bringing to you. We're calling this series of episodes Behind the Talks. As many of you know, Mad Talks hosts a series of monthly live events in Vancouver, where we invite three amazing, inspiring men on stage to share talks about their journeys with you. Well, many of you have wondered what goes on in selecting these men. This episode shares with you a little bit of that process. In this episode, Connor does an interview with David Wagner as we've been interested in having David speak at a future event. So finally, David and Connor got a chance to link up, and it was absolutely amazing. David's doing a cross-country tour on his motorcycle, connecting with men across the United States. He's super inspiring, and you'll definitely want to listen to this episode. So please enjoy as we give you a little peek at our process as Connor gets to know David. You've got some living yet to do. I won't give up on you. Cool, man. So tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do in the world. Well, I am a spiritual teacher and um, an author and I say coach, but I hesitate to say that because I do a lot of coaching of people, a lot of coaching of men, but I've been doing it for a long time before everyone became a coach. Mm. <laughs> So I hesitate using the word coach because now, you know, I think every one out of every 13 people is a, is a life coach now. Is that, is that for real? No, I, I can't. <laughs> but it's somewhere close to that. Um, so I, I hesitate using, using that word coach, but uh, that's a lot of what I do. Hmm. Very cool. And, and why, why do you do what you do? There's got to be, I mean, we talk about a lot at, at Man Talks, we talk a lot about defining moments and those yeah. sort of like catalysts that have yeah. happened for you that have, have led you down the path that you're on. So can you tell us about some of those catalysts? Absolutely. I come from a family and really from a lineage of people in a lineage of men, especially who have not realize their truth and in fact most of them have lived in, in different states of misery and addiction and self-destruction um, both sides of my family I have three older brothers and, and they've all kind of gone down that track as well and as a young man or as a not even a young man a young boy me being the youngest of the kids I kind of had it the worst and um, by the time I was a teenager, I was, you know, a little drug addict, juvenile delinquent, very self-destructive little guy myself. And um, just through a stroke of grace, I ended up getting sober when I was about 17. Through that, you know, I was living in a small town in Illinois. And through that, I started getting spiritual teachings, you know, through that 12-step world. And I just... What can I say? It saved my life, but also it turned me on to the whole uh, path of, of transformation. And, you know, from there, I eventually found my way into yoga and meditation, um, trained in India, and now been working with people for about 20 years and have been on this path myself for about 30 years. 
So the defining moment in a way for me was, I think, having, having a person born into my family with a different sort of spirit, maybe, you know, something in me that had me choose this, this different path. Very cool. Very cool. So when you talk about, um, you know, men and men's work and masculinity, is especially because this is a lot about, I mean, this is man talk. So we, we kind of dive into, you know, what it means to be a man. So I'm very curious to hear your perspective from somebody that's doing men's, has done men's work definitely um, longer, longer than I have and longer than I've kind of been at this because we, you know, we started this a little bit over a year ago and it's been incredible to to really uncover masculinity and, and, and kind of bring it out of the shadows a little bit. So I'm very curious, like, what is, what do you think that it means to really be a modern day man? And what does that take? And what are some of the challenges that they face? Well, I like the way that you asked the question, because you didn't say a happy man or a powerful man or a, a healthy man. You just said a, a man. And I, I like that because sometimes I'll make the distinction between a guy and a man. You know, that a guy is just a man-aged boy or something. I call them, I call them dudes. Was that? Yeah, dudes. Dudes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dudes are even worse than guys. (laughs) But yeah, but to be a man, you could say it it takes, it takes a kind of a, it takes kind of a work. So I think that the main, the, the title of my book is Backbone, because that's just this one word that I can use to kind of sum it up. And, and what backbone constitutes is it constitutes both a self-knowledge where a man really knows himself and has done a certain amount of self-work to really understand himself, understand his honor code, heal the kind of bullshit that holds him back, both mentally but also you know, in, his, in his life habits and that sort of thing. But also backbone constitutes a certain potency and a willingness and ability to, to have what I call thump, which is able to have both a, a vitality in our being, but also the ability to impact and influence our world. And, you know, when you look at the state of, of most modern men and you hold it up to that standard, you know, that is where we see the room for improvement. And, and that's the work that I'm doing. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, one of our, one of our slogan is be a man the world needs. And I think that, you know, what you said there kind of summarizes that in a lot of ways, because one of the things that I that I've talked about in the past is is, you know, moving from this idea of me centric as a man, as, you know, collecting things, getting a lot of money, getting a lot of houses, having. Yeah. Having the having the women. Right. Having the trophy wife and that kind of stuff to a more we centric focus where where the man is actually contributing to the world. He's contributing something back to the world. And it's, it's not, it's not about him. It's about something bigger than him. Um, So I think what what I heard there was very much along the same lines of, of helping men open up into this, this different space of being of contribution to people. Yeah. And I don't think it's just a matter of that. It's better for people and it's better for the world. But I understand that men have an innate need to be that person and that we, we get a kind of a soul sickness when, when we're not contributing, that it's actually something that is hardwired in us. You know, in my book, I, I talk about the king archetype, but kind of a, an aspect of that is the father. 
you know, and, and like being the one who, you know, it's your family, it's your block, it's your community, it's your country, it's your community. Um, I think I said community twice, but that ultimately, you know, something comes to your attention, it needs your attention. And uh, that's, that's a revolution because we have become a very couch centric race of race of people <laughs> as men. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. It's funny. Like if, for the people that are, that are listening in, I throughout that entire segment, I'm just sitting here like nodding my head. I'm like, yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that there's a, a lot of, um, a lot of searching for greatness from the couch. <laughs> right. And, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna find greatness sitting on the couch, um, regardless of what you're doing. And I saw this funny meme the other day, like this photo, and all it said on top was at the very top of the the meme it said the new internet superstar, and it was just this one dude sitting in the corner on the gr- on the floor by himself typing away on his phone. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like that's the new internet superstar, and I think one of the things that I really like about your message and and like about you know what you're bringing to the table is is the idea of community. You said you did say it a couple of times, and I really appreciate that because you know that the concept of the the alpha wolf or like the lone wolf, I think was just perpetuated a little bit too long because like wolves are actually pack animals, yeah. and and that's the funny thing is that men really thrive. In, in small packs, right? Like we really, really do. If you see the guys go out, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've like worked with guys. It's like, where do you feel the most alive? Oh, when I'm out with my, with my guy friends, when I'm out with my boys, it's like, why is that? Oh, cause I learned, they challenged me. I, I grow, I have an amazing time. And, and the guy that thinks that he needs to do it all by himself without anybody to help him. I think that that's one of the biggest challenges. I, I don't know, like, what do you think about that? Well, that is, that's one of the uh, quintessential breakthroughs that men have when I'm working. Either when I'm coaching them or if they come to a workshop or, or a, a weekend or whatever. And just that, that idea comes out that most of them, at the time that they come, feel like it's them against their world. Mm. Or it's them against whatever challenges they are they have in their life. And just to give them that notion that you know they don't have to do it is one of the biggest Eurekas. It's so simple, but when men get that, that's a huge breakthrough. Now, the work of actually getting them to have some men in their life is another thing, because especially for uh, middle-aged men, I work with a lot of men in the kind of middle of our life. There is nothing more awkward than middle-aged men <laughs> like trying to make new friends. You know, I have a section in the book on, it's called Man Love. <laughs> And uh, where I talk about mandates and and that sort of thing, it's just, it's it's awkward for me. I just moved to a new city a couple months ago, and um, I have a new man friend that we've started dating, and uh, it, we love each other so much. And you can tell that we just want to be brothers, but we're just kind of trying to figure it out. And it's it could just be so damn awkward. Yeah, it's totally worth it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I mean we work with a lot of guys that are like early thirties. Yeah. Um, late, late, I mean, mid to late twenties and, and early to mid thirties. And I think even, even there, it's awkward. I think there in that age range, it seems to be 
um, a little bit more about ego. So sometimes there's, you know, like the, the dick measuring contests as, as we call them, um, where it's like, Oh, I've done all these things. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of funny how we progress through those phases and, you know, you touched on the idea of, you know, the, the king and I, I would love for you to kind of go into that a little bit more. Cause I've, you know, I've gone through some of the main points in your book and I think you have a lot to offer. So would you be open to just chatting about that a little bit and giving some insight into, you know, what does it mean to go through those different phases that you talked about in the book and, and, you know, what are some of the differentiating factors? Well, the, the basic idea of those four powers, as I talk about it in the book, um, which is, it's not my idea. I mean, it's, it's, it's a Jungian thing. And then a lot of different men's thinkers have, have used these same four archetypes of the king, the warrior, the lover, and, and what I call the mystic. It's an image of a whole man, you know, in, in the Agla La Lakota language, there's this word witcha which means a whole man. And it's a really honorific word uh, to call someone a whole man in the Lakota language. And the basic idea of it is just, you know, like when I'm working with a man, one of the questions is sort of, well, what's missing? And, and what isn't missing? Because what you find is that when you start digging into, digging into the soul of a man, there will be aspects of them that are already really strong because that's what, for whatever reason, they've invested. And then oftentimes there are areas that have just been really neglected and that are very wilted. Someone asked me if, I, you know, if it's about balance, and I don't think it's about balance. I think we talk way too much about balance in the spiritual world. It's about having equal intensity, not balance, but that, you know, that there's fire in all four of those sort of quadrants. And then, you know, there, it, it, it's deep work. You asked specifically about the king. When a man has that awakening and, and really gets that it's his world and that he is the sovereign power of his world, not power over anyone else, but just that he is the, the sovereign lord of his own domain and that everything in that domain, he gets to say whether it stays or whether it goes whether it flourishes or whether it doesn't that's a huge thing and and i just can't it just breaks my heart to see how many men aren't even tasting that yeah yeah i, I agree i think a lot of you know the more like work with guys that we do like we have a mastermind stuff like that and we bring men together to work on relationships and and their business and themselves and the more work that we do the more that and seeing that there's a lot of guys that really like boys in men's bodies, right? That really haven't. And it's kind of interesting because I think like that initiation that used to be built into our tribes just almost doesn't exist anymore. Like initiation for women happens on a very like primordial, like physical level, right? Where they have that, that phase that they, they go through. And I think for guys like, I don't know if that really exists to the same extent. And, and we used to have these initiations that you'd have to go out and that was sort of like your transformation from... When from, you get breasts? Yeah. Because I got them. Yeah. <laughs> like when I turned like 43. <laughs> I don't know if that counts, man. <laughs> I oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I like it. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. This is so good. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I don't know if you've ever read any of, like, Alison Armstrong's work, but my partner is very big into Alison Armstrong's work. And she talks about, um, you know, going through, I think it's the, the sage, the knight, 
the prince, and then the king as well. And I think it's a play off of the Jungian archetypes as well. I've read a lot of Jung. I love his work, and I think that there's a lot there for men to learn uh, about themselves. Um, but you know, in terms of in terms of that initiation phase of moving through some of those ways of being that show up for a lot of men that you know causes them to make decisions from almost like this childlike state. I, I feel like a lot of men that are very reactionary, where like let's say they're talking to their partner, they're in their relationship, and they're extremely like reactionary, where they get super defensive or they their feelings get hurt like really quick, and they they react from this place of, of being hurt or, or needing to to be defensive. I feel like that's coming from almost like this boy place where a man would be able to be more grounded, stand in his power, and say, okay, I get that maybe you're lashing out right now. What's going on? Where's that coming from? And not take it on a personal level. What do you What do you think? Well, I think I think that that's true. I should also just say this really briefly. You know, in Backbone, I do talk about those four powers, mm. but it's it's in the most I don't know pedestrian way. It is not like Robert Bly or any of these great writers have done with them. It is like something that like a mechanic could grasp. That's the way that I wrote it. So if people are looking for that high pollutant kind of stuff, Backbone doesn't sort of go at it from that angle. Awesome. Um, but I should say that that reactive thing happens when a man lacks lacks purpose and vision. You know, if a, if a man doesn't have a purpose and a vision, then they're just going to be, then they're just available for whatever is arising in the moment. Whether it's some shitstorm in their life or whether it's an emotional upheaval in their partner or some fear in themselves. Um, but if they know what their vision is and they're on that campaign, that's part of the whole backbone idea. Then, th- then they know how to sort of allocate energies and they know when it's time to, to sort of work through something and heal something because it's holding them back. And they also know when to suck it up and keep fighting. Mm. I, I was writing about suck it up recently, that expression, and you know where it comes from? No. I've read that it comes from World War II fighter pilots that would uh, be in aerial combat with oxygen masks on, and they would get air sick and puke in their oxygen mask, and they could potentially die from it. They can't take it off, so they would literally have to suck it up and keep fighting. Mm-hmm is where the where I that was the best answer that I could get. That's funny, you know, like I you know this the saying man up? Yeah. Like man up. That actually came from World War Two as well. And um, it was when the the tanks when the tank fleet was getting ready to go out, yep. there would be a lot of guys knowing that they were basically on the way to death. And um, a lot of them would be having like emotional breakdowns. And when the general would walk through to tell people to get into the tanks, that's what he would say. He'd say, man up, man up, man up. And he'd just be yelling it. And that may like get in the tank to basically go fucking die. Um, And it's funny that a lot of these like really poignant sayings that then those guys that survived World War II, they came home. And they actually perpetuated those things in a really almost like aggressive way and passed them down into the kids. Man up, suck it up. And yeah. because that's what got them through, right? Yeah. And that's well, what... Let me, let me argue. Can I argue with you a little yeah, bit? Argue away, man. Because I think that that's right. And there is a lot said. There's that TED Talk where somebody was saying that, like, be a man is the most harmful thing that is ever said to a boy. Mm-hmm. And I, I push back against that because... 
if it said with the because the thing is is the generals weren't saying man up to these guys to get in the tanks and go die. He was saying man up for the men to get in the tanks and hurl themselves at their purpose. And they might die. But they're not going to die. They weren't kamikazes, you know? They they were going to fight. They were going to try to, to break through. And I think that in a certain way, the new age has thrown away the baby with the bathwater. Because no, we don't want to say in a toxic way from an unconscious point of view to our sons, oh, come on, man up, you know, suck it up, don't be a pussy. But the fact of the matter is we are pussies, <laughs> you know? And there is, there is a certain degree to where if that voice, okay, so here's an example. Just the other day, I'm getting ready to do this cross-country motorcycle trip. And I go through this big fog of doubt. I fly out to New York and pick up my motorcycle. It needed like thousand, more than $1,000 worth of work on it. New York sucked. It was like hot. And it was just, I was just having this bummer day. And I was just starting to feel like, ugh, do I really want to do this? So I talked to two people. I talked to, to my partner. I called her up. And I said, oh, you know, why am I doing this? Nobody cares about this. Like, I just want to push my bike into the, into the river and just fly home and, and, you know, hold my babies. And so her response, and I said the same thing to one of my brothers from my men's circle. So her response was, oh, baby, you know, you can do whatever you need to do. You know, you know, if you want to come home, you totally can. It's probably going to get better, but you know, I'm, I'm sorry you're having a hard time. That was her response. Now, my brother, he said, Suck it up, bro. This is what you're doing. It's going to get better. And even if it doesn't, even if you do this whole trip and the whole thing sucks, because he knows me, he says, even if the whole thing sucks, if you help one man, you're going to be glad that you did. Suck it up. This is what you're doing. Right now, you're being a bitch. Mm. Those were like a, a pretty close paraphrase to his words. Yeah. And that wasn't my toxic father's parental voice telling me to, to, that I'm being a bitch. This is a man who knows me and who loves me and who knows my mission and knows what feeds my soul. And it was, the, it was that same sort of language, you understand? So it's like that sort of medicine is what a lot of men need today. And sometimes because it does come from that you know it can be brutal it can you know it can come from that sort of toxic world war to cut down the rainforest kind of headspace but um i'm i'm really interested in in rekindling some of that in in a conscious way that comes from a place of masculine love instead of that masculine father shame you know what i'm saying yep absolutely absolutely i think i think that's one of the it's a really great way to describe it because I think in those situations, like the context is everything, right? And and the intention behind it, like you, you use the word toxic quite a bit, and I, I think that that's that's pretty apt. It's a very very clear way to describe it because you know in those situations, it was it was it could be it could in, in some of those situations be toxic, and and in some of the situations when you know those guys have come home, it, it's used in a toxic way, but. There is a lot of benefit, and I, I I agree. You know, I think a lot of the the issues that men face today is because they they don't stand in their power, and they don't you know just say fuck. I'm going to do it anyways. Like, yeah, you know what? This initial phase might suck. This might be tough. And like, I've gone on the 
you know, the thousand mile motorcycle ride and just could, you know, done it straight. And it, it's, it does suck. And initially you're like, shit, should I even bother with this? Like my ass is going to hurt, you know, like <laughs> my back's going to be sore once I get there, it, you know, it's going to rain. I'm going to go through the mountains, going to be cold. And, and, and that idea of like, yeah, I could totally just not do it. And yeah. is that, is that really live? Like I, I could turn around and just walk away. And I think that far too often men are confronted and they do turn around and walk away and, and they, and they make that those like little decisions of like, should I go do this? Should I get up and go to the gym right now? No, I'm not going to do that. And then they, they make that decision over and over and over again to the point where when they're really big decisions come and they're confronted by that, they don't have the, the internal or emotional strength to actually say like, I'm going to push through this. I'm just going to man up. And I'm going to go do it. Right. And, um, I, I like it. I mean, I, I love, I love that idea of, of rekindling it. I think, I think we're talking about very similar things. And I think that we're doing very similar things, just using different verbiage. Like we say, redefining, redefining what it means to be a man, right? Redefine what it means to man up. And, and, and you're saying rekindling. Cause I think that what it sounds like what you're going for is, is re-earthing the, the true nature of what that means, which is just a, a beautiful way to look at it. Modern life doesn't necessitate men to be great anymore. No. You know, like, we can, we can, because everything is so easy, we don't have to really, like, do hard stuff. We have to go out of our way to do hard stuff. And I think that it does a couple of things for us. Like, one is that it gives us that sense of like, okay, we've done something hard and we've gotten through it and we got stronger as a result. But the other thing that, that it does that is just such an important thing, and this is a quality of the warrior um, that, that I teach about, is that it gives us the ability to clean up our messes. Like a man, if, if a man makes a mess, he cleans it up or he manages the damage in some way or the other, right? And that that's a thing that doing hard stuff also teaches us is the ability to like live by trial and error, like make mistakes, you know, like make lots of huge mistakes and then clean them up fast and keep moving. And that's another thing that the couch really prevents us. From. <laughs> uh, we're never going to get rejected by the, by the woman in the corner. You yeah. know, she's never going to say no to us. Yeah. So we're never going to have to learn how to like overcome that, you know, heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very true. But I, like, I kind of wanted to, to, to touch on that because I think that's a really valid point. I think a lot of men really struggle to, to go in and set themselves up to possibly fail. Uh, I, I feel like more and more, and, and this is just a generalization. It's not saying that there's anything wrong with men or, or wrong with women or, you know, it's a little bit of a generalization in saying a, a lot of the issues that men are facing today is that they're not stretching themselves outside of their comfort zone. And yeah. we've like, life is great right now. This is a great time to be alive. You can live a very, very comfortable life and, and just skate by, right? Where if you lived two or 300 years ago or 500 years ago, you could not fucking do what you can do today where you could literally you know, create a little bit of an online income and then sit on your couch for 12 hours a day and do jack shit with your life. You couldn't do that. Yeah. You, you had to go out and hunt. You had to go out and forage. Other people relied on you. And, yeah. and I think it's so fascinating that, that a lot of the struggles that men face is, is that they, they aren't tapping into that purpose. They're not tapping into that vision that you, that you talked about. So 
I would love to, to kind of have a, a little bit of a discourse on that. Like, how do you think that men can tap into their purpose a little bit more? How do you think that they can expand their edge and kind of get into that, be vulnerable enough to make, make a mistake and possibly fail, but be able to get back up on their feet? How do they find that sense of purpose? Well, I think that the answer to that lies in, in necessity and passion. So, and it can be a combination or it can be either one. So how do I get out of this building? I don't know. I can go out the door. Maybe there's a back door. I don't know. Light the building on fire. I'm going to like find a way out, you know, no matter what. That's the necessity. I guess that's also the passion one too. But like if the thing that I always wanted was in the parking lot of this building for the next 30 seconds only, I would also find my way out of it. So I think a lot of men, we just don't, we just don't know what we really want. We don't really know ourselves well enough to know what our deep passions are. You know, I, I think that to a lot of, a lot of the men that you're talking to, maybe, um, you know, some of the younger men, they don't have a lot of that necessity heaped onto them. You know, whereas a lot of my men, you know, were fathers, we have families, alimonies, businesses, own property and all this kind of like existential poundage that that stuff can be a catch 22 because sometimes that can be the thing that just becomes just our, our shit goggles that, that just keep us from doing anything and seeing, seeing the light of anything. Um, but also if we tap into that, like you, you give me, you get me not any father, unfortunately, but I would say 97% of, of fathers and get me in a room with them and, and get me to have them focus on their love for their kids. And they will chew their way through a horse's asshole to, to, you know, love that kid. Mm. But again, it's just like something that is like easy enough to not pay attention to or something like that. So, you know, it, it's a matter of this self-knowledge piece along with kind of breaking men free from some of these habits of living vicariously. You know, their, their nervous systems maybe don't know that they don't do anything because they're watching so many things and vicariously experiencing so many things that their nervous systems aren't telling them that they're bored. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I could go on and on about this. I mean, this is, this is really the, the kind of the warp and the woof of what I do with men is to help turn them on. And it's what I, I've, I've recently called it when I backbone a man. It's like, you know, getting in there and find out what's really important to you. Like, what's so important to you that you, like, freak out if you really focus on it and know that you're going to lose it if, if you don't really dig into it. Um, and then once that fire is kindled, then we can take it in a lot of directions. Very cool. I love it. Um, so just in the sake of time, I think we'll have to uh, start wrapping it up. But I'm, yeah, first off, just tell us about the tour and why you're doing it. Well, it's, you know, it's kind of a bucket list thing for me as a motorcyclist uh, on one hand. Uh, and it's, I just thought the book had just come out and I thought that this is a great way to get across the country and really talk to men uh, that aren't just like workshop men, you know, that aren't just people that seek me out, but like I'm going out and I'm having conversations. I'm doing a workshop here at this space here tonight 
in Nashville. But, you know, I'm talking to men wherever I go and just having the coolest conversations and, and really just trying. So I'm calling it a vision quest with the question, uh, what do men need to be excellent? And, um, you know, just having that conversation. But then also I'm spending 50 hours on, the, on, on that Harley. It is going to be a lot more than that now that I'm actually seeing how long these trips are taking. Um, but, you know, 3,200 miles and about 1,500 of those miles are going to be the desert southwest in August. So that's going to be my sweat lunch. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and just like feeling – and then also I, I've used using this to like visit some very dear people in my life. Um, some of the men in my life, I'm visiting my, my deceased brother's two, uh, two sons who are now adults and who really need some, some uh, adult masculine energy in their life. And, um, so that's, that's the long and the short of it. And just getting this conversation kicked off in America, you know, like, cause we'll, y'all are having it. We're having it, you know, like in the men's podcast universe, you know, the, the subject is alive and well. But I want to reach all the men that Oprah didn't talk to yet. You know what I mean? That the Oprah Chopra thing didn't didn't sort of get to that middle of America, and just get this conversation started. Awesome, awesome! I love it. Very cool. So your tour has started already. Yeah. Yeah. Right part of. I'm right in the heart of it. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh which yeah. I, th- I think of Nashville as kind of the heart of America. Certainly. And um, the heart of of a certain masculine aspect of America, you know, like country music and just – it's just a really cool place. So this is great that we're having this conversation. This is the first thing I'm doing in town. I love it. I love it. Well, and here here I am up in Canada. (laughs) Uh, Very cool. And uh, where can people find you? Um, you know, let them, let them know, like, I'm sure that a lot of the listeners really love the, the conversation that you brought today and love, you know, love who you are. So where can they find you? So davidhwagner.com and you can find out, I have a six week home study course for men. That's just kind of a no brainer as far as like to do. It's, it's pretty cheap and it's, uh, it's a kind of an ass kicking six week home study course. Um, this year I'm also doing a nine month, this is the first time I'm ever doing this. I'm doing a nine month men's mentor training. Uh, my thing is called wild man university. So I'm, I'm actually training men to be wild man university mentors so that they can coach other men and lead men's groups in, in the way that I do them. Um, so that's David H Wagner.com, David H Wagner, Twitter, Facebook, men's underscore revolution, Instagram, <laughs> Awesome. awesome. I'm doing all this stuff. Like I'm like kind of an old dog in, in all of this, but I'm trying to learn some of these social media uh, new tricks. So uh, check all those things out. Awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, <laughs> I, I totally understand that. Cool. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. I, I can see why you're uh, successful at what you're doing, and, and I, I really appreciate you being on, on the podcast and being a part of this. And, uh, you know, for all the listeners out there, definitely check out David's website and his Twitter feed. You can also check out uh, – he's going to be writing for us on the blog in the coming weeks and months. So if you want to learn a little bit more of that wisdom that he has to offer, definitely check that out. And, uh, don't forget about the November 7th event that we have. We have the one-day intensive. So that will be here in Vancouver. And for more information on that, make sure you go to mantalks.com. And I just want to say to you, Connor, um, I just want to say thank you to you for actually stepping up and standing for men 
because there's so many other things that uh, a good-looking young man like you could be doing with his time. And the fact that you are serving others and helping to uplift your world, I just, I salute you and I'm here for you in whatever way that I can. So thank you so much. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, David. All right.